Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi. I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to The New Jesus. We are attempting to go step by step from the beginning, kind of uh, uh, spirituality 101 maybe, or uh, living your best possible life 101, uh, taking step by step through high school, college, graduate, hopefully to PhD and doctorate, and then on to you're being a professional at living the best life possible, which uh, in my opinion, there's very few of those around. And our most valuable professionals probably in any and every area. And those tend to be the world changers, okay? The Abraham Lincolns, the John F. Kennedys, the Martin Luther Kings, the Gandhis, um, the high road, the extreme high road. All right. So, um, Let's review just a little bit, and I'm trying to keep these reviews um, to less and less time because uh, I know these are too long for most people. We have an attention span of about seven seconds. What I, what I hope you'll remember is I'm, the purpose of this is not to be entertaining. The purpose of this is to change your life forever or maybe to go from not saved to saved to finding your meaning and purpose in life. Uh, to go from a life of hamster wheel, irritation, frustration when things don't go your way, stress, anxiety, to love, joy, peace, predominantly, we'll never get there perfectly in this life, and regardless of the circumstances. Yes, when tragedy hits, even on the high road, you're going to grieve, you're going to hurt, you're going to cry, you may scream and yell and moan and all kinds of stuff. But that'll last for six months or less as you process through that and, and, and you know, grieving and missing that person. I would use some of the tools for that to shorten that time if you can. But then you'll come back. 
six months or less typically if you're on the high road and the disappointment and sadness and hurt go to gratitude, thankfulness, and moving on to the next stage of life and learning from that tragedy what you can learn instead of it just being locked in a room in your brain repressed that eats up your internal energy every day. Okay, uh, You get enough of those and you don't have enough energy for the day. You got you to gotta heal those. Okay, It's kind of like uh, um, the herpes virus. You know, you ever get one of those cold sores, herpes viruses? Well, when, when do you get them? During stressful times. Even the doctor will tell you that. All right? Well, what does that mean? It means when you're not stressed, your immune system uh, has everything under control and is keeping those sores from ever forming. When you get stressed, the immune system is the first thing turned off or down during stress. So those uh, uh, bacteria and viruses that the immune system has been keeping under control now come up and manifest as a problem. Okay, And that's the same way memories are that have anger, fear, low self-worth, unforgiveness. Uh, you cannot just sweep those under the rug or lock them in a room and then go out and have a great life. No, they will ooze into your life. Just like if you threw garbage for years down in your basement thinking that was easier than taking it out, yeah, that'll work for a while, but then it'll infect your whole house. The same with these um, memories and beliefs that have lies and errors in them that are causing stress, keeping us from being able to live the life we want. Okay, so brief review. Our formula for the best outcome every time, outcome guarantee. Uh, you may have dual beliefs about the same issue. That's important because everything boils down to your belief. Internally, you have an energy that is theoretically, it's actually in hertz, but just to demonstrate more simply, minus 10 energy with anger, irritation, low self-worth, etc. to plus 10 energy, love, joy, and peace. And wherever your energy is at any given time on that continuum are the thoughts, emotions, chemistry, hormones, energy that you will be feeling in your life. All right? So you often have dual beliefs, meaning don't drink and drink. All right? We've been talking about how to deal with that. Um, Blessed is the man whose sin is never counted against him, whether it appears from Scripture, whether it's intentional or unintentional. Um, there will be no one in hell because of sin. It's been dealt with and paid for for everyone. The only people that will be in hell are the people who will not accept the free will, love, and gift of God. And... Um, if you decide you want to live this way, what happens is, whether intentional or unintentional, you're living in a state of grace. If you are, and we've talked about how to determine that and what that is, you will then have dying grace, which is God's power to, need, to do what you need to do instead of your own. It will change... Um, God will change what Satan meant for harm into good, 
And number four, God's will now, moment by moment. That's the formula. Your will be done now, just like the night before Jesus died in the garden. Your will be done, even though it's not what I really want. Okay? It's all about right versus wrong, but we have been declared righteous. A uh, passage in the Old Testament we looked at, blessed is the man whose sin is never counted against him, passage in the New Testament. He, the Lord never counts their sins against them. Why? Because Jesus paid for them. Uh, he's got the receipt for it. Whoever has the receipt owns it. It does not ever have to be paid for twice. And it was paid for completely for everyone. It can't be cheap grace. It has to be bought and paid for right grace. And the only sacrifice that could do that was Jesus. He was God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. Alright? So, God is being crucified voluntarily for your sins and for mine. Alright? So it all comes down to right versus wrong, okay? If we are in right standing with God, then we have all these promises that we've been talking about. If you are in wrong standing with God, you don't. Although the rain still falls on the just and the unjust, all right? So you're going to have some highs, some lows, whatever, all right? But if you're right with God and you understand His plan, miracle plan of love, then the quality and experience of your life can be so dramatically different because it's all, all about fear of death or belief in love. And when that belief in love goes up, the fear of death goes down. Fear is what activates your stress mechanism from which 90% of all illness and disease come from, according to the CDC, 95% according to Dr. Bruce Lipton. Right? Um, can your best life include chronic pain? I believe it can. We talked about that from a scriptural, scriptural perspective. And if you delight when painful things happen to you and turn and give that to God, I would be delighted to obey you in this. Even though I really don't want to do it and don't like it, I'd be delighted to obey you. Jesus, please come to the forefront of my life, manifest in my physical body, and let it glorify you. Your will be done. Alright? So if you'll do that and delight in the pain and suffering when it comes, then when you are weak, God will make you strong. What is that? It's dying grace. The grace to do whatever, the power to do whatever is needed in any situation, whether it's take the garbage out, lift the car off a child who's pinned under the car, uh, whatever needs to be done. God gives you the grace to do it. Now, He determines what needs to be done. So, He may give you the grace and you try to do something else with it that's not what He meant that power for, may not work very well. So, we've got to be listening to our conscience, praying without ceasing, uh, the present moment in love, be listening for that still small voice, and then, the and then turn, give it to God, wait on the Lord to exchange my strength for His and then act. Okay? And at that point, if you've done all that and if Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you can say that and mean it with all your heart, 
whether your sin is unintentional or intentional, it's covered automatically. You're in a state of grace, not even written under your name, all right? And you have the power to do what needs to be done in the moment. Okay. Um, all right. So that's kind of a deep review. And so now let's go to where we left it last week. And then we'll start with the new stuff. Okay, so now let's take a look at last week, what we talked about last week. Um, it's all about beliefs. Your identity and worth are all about your beliefs. Love is what we all want, but how do we get that? And what's the difference in uh, thinking I'm loving, but maybe not really loving, love A versus love B, which we talked about, I'll go in a minute. Um, that we might become the righteousness of Christ. You are the righteousness of Christ and a new creature. We talked about that, Old Testament and new. So last week, the main thing we, the main step that we took last week was love A versus love B, life A versus life B. A couple of you have gotten to me that that was a little confusing to you, so I'm going to hit it again really quick. Okay, most of us grow up in what I call love A. And love A is if I do good, I get a check mark. If I do bad, I get an X mark. And at the end of the day or at any given time, how I feel about myself and my identity and worth and all that is tied to my percentage of check marks and X marks. And everyone has a different percentage. Mine was 90% check marks to X marks, hope, my wife, hers was 100%. If she had any X marks, she felt bad about herself and, and really did. And there was nothing anyone could do about it. Okay? Um, and that works the way everything in nature works. Stimulus response. Newton's three laws of motion. Body motion stays in motion till something acts on it with enough power to change it. And if that happens, for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. And that's also the way reap what you sow works. Karma, stimulus response, the law of attraction, all of those work the same way. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. You get what your actions, you get the natural results of your actions. That's it. All right? Then God comes along uh, with Jesus and he planned it before the foundations of the world, before the world was even here. But now Jesus comes. It's time for him to come. And he comes to usher in a new law, which I call love B. And in love B, you still have check marks and X marks. The difference is with love B, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you still get good, at least long term. Now, if you put your hand through a wall, I, I'm not saying, ah, oh, look at that. I can hit a brick wall. It doesn't affect me. No, no, no. You're going to get a bloody, broken hand. But long term, God is going to turn that into something good for you. He promises to. All things work together for good. When, and we've talked about that many times. Alright, so grace, love be, is if I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I still get good. Now, anyone, if you just ask them, okay, would you rather live under 
uh, plan A as your law of how you live your life, or would you rather live under plan B? Plan A is if you do bad stuff, you're going to have bad stuff happen to you. Plan B is no matter what you do, you're only going to have good stuff happen long term and everything is going to work out for you long term. So, hey, which do you want? And I'm in great uh, uh, mystery as to which one you'll... No, everyone would choose the same one. They would choose love B. They would choose grace where even if they do bad, they still get good. They would choose that for their children. They would choose that for everyone that they love and care about. Well, if that's the case, and if grace is really here and legitimate, if that's the truth of our worldview state now, if you are a follower of Jesus or uh, a committed Christian, uh, then how come you're not living that way? And why do I say that? Because nine out of every ten people that come to me, and about 50% of those would call themselves Christians or followers of Jesus, nine out of ten of them, the difference is no different in the church than it is anywhere else, nine out of ten of them are living love A. Still trying to earn their righteousness and still living by these percentages. And if they don't measure up to their percentage, feeling guilt and shame and condemnation and low self-worth. And by the way, the percentages are rigged um, where you can almost never achieve whatever your percentage is. And your unconscious mind decides what that is. You don't decide that intentionally. All right? Um, but I've seen very few people whose percentage was what they actually felt they were measuring up to. It's, it's, almost, it's comical almost. It's a mystery. A person's uh, percentage will be 92% and they will feel they are actually at 91%. I mean, and then if they get to 92%, all of a sudden, somehow, that's still not enough. Now I think I have to be 93%. Guess what? That's part of it. That's not an accident. Okay? That's God giving us choice and Satan trying to steal away our inheritance and God's promises in our lives. Okay? So that's love A versus love B. Alright? Which one are you doing? And by the way, how do you do it? Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and mean it from your heart. Commit to Him. Uh, commit to God. Focus in the present moment in love as best you can. Okay? Give the end results up to God. That's how you do it. Alright? And if you do that, then you are in God's plan for love B. You have access to it. Alright? That doesn't mean you're experiencing it. Why would you have it and not experience it? Because you don't believe it. You believe you've got to earn it. You believe you've you know, got to get the check marks and X marks right. Because that's the way everything has been your whole life. It's probably the way everyone you see lives, okay? Occasionally you'll see someone that just seems to be incredibly joyful and at peace and you'll probably even think they're either acting and putting on a show or they've really got something that I don't have that I wish I had, okay? But anyway, that's love A versus love B, all right? And Jesus died so that we could have love B and have... Uh, a good outcome for us every time and for God to turn into um, 
uh, good what Satan meant for harm. And then we talked about life A versus life B. And um, this is how you evaluate. Love A versus love B is how you evaluate if you are a good person or not a good person. If you are significant or insignificant, secure and safe, or unsafe and rejected. Okay? That's what this does. Life A versus life B is, that's the target you're shooting at. That's the bullseye. Okay? I want to live my life to accomplish either life A or life B. Now, can there be overlap? Yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, you could be living life, you could, your target, your goal, let's say goal, could be life A, but when it comes to your children, you live more life B. Okay? Uh, or maybe not. Or on some things, maybe you're doing a little bit of both. Okay? Because living life A, having that as your goal, it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're lost, okay? Um, it means you're losing out on your best life. You're prioritizing the wrong things. So, if someone is choosing life A, if that's their goal, then what they are waking up in the morning, going to bed at night with on their mind and spending their energy and time and mental and heart power to try to achieve in their life is pleasure, money, and things that money will buy, including pleasure, okay, including time, including a house, a car, uh, drugs, uh, time, vacation. I mean, it, in this world, we think we can buy almost anything with money. Sex, sometimes, literally or virtual, okay, time. I mean, on and on and on. So money's a huge one. Um, time, you can buy time, right? Instead of cleaning your own house, you can pay someone else to clean it. That gives you three more hours in that week, all right? Um, you can buy time sitting in a recliner watching TV, all right, rather than having to work, all right? The, but you got to remember on, on some of these, like time, the studies on people who retire and then sit in a recliner and watch TV say they die very shortly after that. And ancient and God says in Scripture, if a man doesn't work, he should not eat. And then the biggest one to me, Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. So stay in balance. Work, play, rest, relationships, stay in balance. Um, a lot of times our view of money is intended to get us out of balance to what we think is the positive. Don't have to work. Do all fun stuff. Watch all this stuff on TV. Take stuff. Adventures. I mean, you know, we think that's the life we want. Okay, and and uh, we want and the big one, which is really kind of an umbrella for all of them. I want to be independent. I want to get to a place where I've got enough money, enough power, enough whatever 
that I can do what I want when I want and not have to do what I don't want. Okay? So that's, that's what this is. If that's kind of your tack in your life, your, your, your goal, your bullseye, is life A. And the problem with life A is if you get it now, it will not satisfy you. If you get it long term, it will not satisfy you. Now, you'll tend to total up the score. Ah, I've, had, I've done pretty good. I've had this much pleasure. I've got this much money, this much uh, time I bought myself. I haven't been bored very much. Life has been exciting. I'm pretty much able to do whatever I want and keep other people from bugging me and bothering me. So, yeah, I, my, my day is pretty good. My month is pretty good. Problem is, you're always going to have this empty place in your heart because this is not what life is about and this is not what makes life meaningful. Okay? On the other hand, if your goal, focus, intention is to live life B, then the overall umbrella is dependent on God the Father. I willingly give my life to you. Jesus, you, I believe in you. You are my Lord and Savior. My focus is the present in love. Your will be done moment by moment as best I can, giving up the end results to you even though I'm maybe working harder than I've ever worked or ever could have worked because I was in stress then over here, but now I'm not in stress, so I'm working harder than I've ever worked, accomplishing more than I've ever accomplished, but through being dependent and it being God's power, dying grace, to do my job, that's why I'm doing it better, okay? Uh, real safety. He says, I will never be unprotected. That doesn't mean I won't ever get hurt. Doesn't mean I won't ever die. It means he's going to protect me to his best end for my life or his best right now circumstance for my life. Okay? And the best possible outcome, the outcome guarantee. We tend to look at this as a good life and this as a bad life. Now, not real safety, I mean, but we think we get safety over here with money and by purchasing it. You don't. That doesn't give you safety. Now, maybe it gives you safety from getting mugged, but not about the best outcome for your day, for your life long term, and everything in between. Um, and this guarantees the best outcome. The reason I don't list what the outcome is is because we don't know. That's up to God, long-term, mid-term, and today. So the only way to get that is dependent, not independent. All right, if you are living and believing and choosing love A, you will tend to have as your goal and intention in life, life A, and you'll keep score, okay? And everyone has a percentage with these two, okay? We see this as the good side of the stuff we want and this basically as the stuff we don't want because we, don't we think we can cause the best outcome and we don't trust God or anyone else 
to take care of that outcome because it might not be what we want. Okay? And most people, in my experience, on this one may have a little bit um, more generous percentage threshold, meaning where, th where this one, mine was, I needed 90 to 10 percent to feel good about myself and Hope needed 100. This one is usually not quite so like this. Like a lot of people, they feel like if they're, do if they're getting this in their life 75 percent with only 25 percent pain, and being dependent on other people, that they're doing pretty good. Okay, I don't typically see it where the person feels good about themselves at a lot less than 75%. For instance, like if you get down to 50-50, that person typically doesn't feel real good about their life. Okay, But the real issue, the secret here, is this is the total wrong goal and intention and focus. These are symptoms by and large. Alright? Over here, if your focus is over here, well how in the world would that work with pain? Easy. Do I go through pain giving it to God when it hits, checking in with my conscience, saying is this, what's the best love path decision here, etc even if the pain does not go away, even if the pain gets worse, okay, what's the way to go through the pain God's way? Ah, boy, that's a great scorekeeper. Going through pain God's way. Being dependent, meaning when the thing hits, I don't just, okay, Alex, figure this out. No, I turn to God. I would be delighted to obey you in this. I wait 15 minutes or so. Father, please show me the path or give me the strength to take, the dying grace to take the right path. Okay? Um, I trust your safety that I am never unprotected and that you will only allow to be done to me, my body, mind, and spirit, what you see is best. And if that means death and coming to be with you earlier, then I accept that as being a legitimate thing that could be best for me. Now I know my fa that's not what I would choose. My family may not like that a lot, but I can absolutely see how that could be best for me. So the safety, just I don't know what it is, but your way. Alright? And then of course the best outcome guarantee. So these, for you to have the life you want, Typically, it has to start with the love A, love B. And you have to understand this, commit to it, feel it in your heart a little bit, and then I would do a vow, ceremony, whatever. I commit to you, Father. Uh, the present moment in love, give you the end result, check with you when pain and adversity hits, um, etc., and start living love B, where you are in a state of grace and his promises apply to you. Okay? And that is your north. That is your de facto truth. Okay? Then you will typically be able to choose life B as your goal. If you're still living love A, it's almost impossible 
to live love A and also choose life B. Because those don't go together, all right? If you're choosing love B, you typically, you will be able, at least in time, to choose better and better and better life B. And to leave these things, hey, uh, I got a, a unexpected money. Yay, thank you, Father. Uh, hoping I had wonderful intimacy. Thank you, Father. But I'm not expecting it every day. I'm not expecting it every week. Um, I'm bored. Maybe what lesson can I learn in this being bored? What, can, what book can I read? What, let me expand. Okay, uh, A passage in Proverbs talks about always be open to new things. In fact, be searching for them. We're not supposed to cuddle up in the fetal position with lots of money and just do a Howard Hughes and sort of hermit ourselves until we die or even get out there and be a, a adventure adrenaline junkie until we die. No, it's not the point. We're supposed to find and choose love willingly and, become, and choose dependence on the Father and His plan of grace. Okay, so most people need to change paradigms. They need to change to love be and to life be. Okay? Because with love, if you're living love A, you will never be happy and fulfilled. You'll never live your best life. If you're living life A, you may be disillusioned for a while if these things are going really good to think, boy, I have really mastered my life. But typically when you get to the end of it or when a tragedy hits, you will know you missed what was most important, which is over here and relationships and dependency and living in God's grace. Okay? Um, you will know that. All right. So let's flip over. I hope that makes it a little clearer for a few of you who are confused. And let's go through, I think pretty quickly, uh, our next step this week. Again, formula for the best outcome every time. Here's our 12 diagnostics. Um, fear and anger when life is not in danger is a diagnostic that 99.9% .9 chance you are living your life and seek pleasure and avoid pain which is uh, love A and life A. Let's say it again. If you experience fear, anger, extreme anxiety when your life is not in danger, it's a virtual guarantee that you are too much into love A and, lo and life A. By the way, why did I call... Um, the wrong one A and the right one B. Well, I believe that's what God did. After the Garden of Eden, God started with plan B. He knew the law and those 600 and some odd rules was never going to work. Okay? In fact, he says that in the Old Testament through Paul, who says that the very purpose of that law was that sin would get worse. It was, it, 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 it was proven 
that we can't do it, even down to people like Moses and Abraham who sinned. All have fallen short. All right? So if you're experiencing those when your life is not in danger, you got a life A and a love A problem. Okay? Um, if you're committed to love, love, that's what fear and anger is about. And it is the source of that pain-pleasure thing. Love is about faith, dependence on God, trusting God for the end result, being patient for delayed gratification rather than what I want when I want. Okay, Love is about faith and dealing with pain and pleasure God's way, which is to learn, grow, to go to the next higher step in our life, and most importantly, connect relationships and having wonderful, loving, trusting, mutually beneficial relationships, which is what all of life is about. And we talked some about that article, the 300% study. Uh, if your relationships are conflicted, 300% greater chance of getting a disease and dying by middle age. If your relationships are harmonious, 300% less chance or 300% greater chance you'll live to old age happy and healthy. The only variable determining that, the state of your relationships. So how come so many people have that? How come so many people have conflicted relationships and are getting sick, dying, uh, not dying, but being miserable for the last 30 years of their life, stuff like that. Why? Why is that happening? Don't they want love? Well, yeah, they do. And, and they would probably say they do. But out of fear, out of memories that have errors in them, out of thousands of years of the devolution of our mind, memories, and beliefs, um, they are in life A and love A. And, and most of them on a hamster wheel and don't know how to get out. Because they do not understand, in my opinion, what scripture really tells us about God's miracle plan of love. Okay? And how unbelievable it is. Okay. All right. Um, if you are in fear or if you are living your life by pain pleasure, you will tend to measure your life by comparison with other people, accomplishments, make you feel good and proud, and others' opinion. And all of that based on the memories and beliefs that are in your heart, including generational ones, the sins of the fathers, unconscious, subconscious, and conscious. Dr. Bruce Lipton from Stanford says that the memories that are causing the illness and disease and, and anxiety and fear and worry the most, 90% of the time are in your subconscious mind or unconscious or generational. 90% of the time. What does that mean? It means you don't know what they are. 
So either God has to heal them through prayer, which is my favorite way and what I always go to, or if not, uh, we use things God has made and put in nature to help us with things like these and bring that uh, negative to positive ratio, bring that more and more positive through, you might say, some manual tools and ways that we've also talked about. Okay, but ask yourself, do you measure your life by how much pleasure, how much pain, that ratio, comparing to other people's lives, comparing to your own imagination and goals, looking at what accomplishments or lack of accomplishments and others people's opinion. <laughs> Isn't that by and large how you measure the success, failure, or in-between of your life? Well, that's a totally wrong comparison. That's fear-based. That's, that's based in pleasure pain. That's of A and life A. Okay? God's plan B, well, before we get there, those are the wrong factors and variables. Uh, measuring your life by pain, pleasure, comparison, accomplishments, others' opinion, those are the wrong factors and variables to measure your life. So if that's how you're measuring your life, you're measuring your life on the wrong scale with the wrong factors on the scale. All right? So you've been measuring your life wrong. And very likely the decision you've come to as to the success, failure, or, un, or in between of your life is also wrong. So you need to get to the right scale and the right factors and variables. So that's God's plan B. God's plan B was action. I'm sorry. God's plan B was actions, and that was the old law. And I believe, I, I don't know, I believe God did that because he knew that us humans with our logical left brain and heart that's inclined toward evil from our birth wouldn't believe grace if we had not tried law. If we had not tried do good, get good, do bad, get bad, and tried to make it work on that paradigm. Because that's what comes natural to us. It's what we see in others. It's the way everything in nature works. So I believe God started with plan B, if you will, after the Garden of Eden because he had to prove to us that we could not do it well enough for God's plan, which is a perfect place where we all love each other. There's no pain. There's no night. There's no tears for millions and millions of years and then we'll be just getting started. Okay, God's plan A all along before the world was begun, before the old law, before Jesus ever came, God's plan A all along was grace. Jesus the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Well, okay, well what is the grace measure of your life? God takes care of the action, inaction, or wrong action. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. So you're saying God takes away my choice? No, 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 no. But in plan B, you're being dependent on God, not independent. Your goal is dependence, not independence. And so when you are right with him in a state of grace, God gives you dying grace, which is the power to do whatever his will, whatever's needed right now in this situation. What is that? The actions! <laughs> and, and very likely, you will do the actions better than you ever could have done living in life A and life B. Why? Because those are the stress states, which turn your immune system off or down, negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative chemistry, negative hormones. When you give that up, those expectations, that's research out of Harvard, the stress goes away, and now all of a sudden I can do everything pretty much, way better than I could do before. And, and so God takes care through His grace, through the Holy Spirit, through His power. If I'm right with Him and dependent on Him, He takes care of the action, inaction, and wrong action. And yeah, sometimes I'll still do the wrong action, but it's okay. I mean, I'm in grace. It's not only acceptable, it's part of the plan. Jesus would never have had to come if, if I could do it right. So here's my question. Uh, righteous or blessed, which we talked a whole lot about last week, that's the kind of happy you want. You want to be righteous, blessed, happy. So that's the Proverbs passage with the 16 different areas. If you are righteous, this is what God gives you and does in your life. And then the nine additional from Matthew 5 from Jesus, because the uh, Proverbs passage, one of those 16 is blessed. And all nine from Matthew 5 are blessed. So if you're living the righteous, blessed life, what kind of happy or unhappy are you? Well, if you're living in grace, state of grace, you will still have highs and lows. Um, Festus said once to Paul, Paul, you are manic. You know what that is? That's our word for bipolar. And if you look at Paul, he was. He was up, he was down, he was, uh, man, all over the place. But God still loved him. God still used him. And, and we don't see any punishment to Paul for those things. Now, he did ask the thorn in the flesh be taken away. And God said no, but he said no because you'll learn my grace through the weakness of the flesh. What does that mean? You'll learn my grace because you can't do it right on your own, which is what Paul said. What a wretched worm I am. And he said that at the end of his ministry, not the first. Okay? So in grace, you'll still have highs and lows. You'll still feel good about yourself and not good about yourself. The difference is living dependently on him, you're in a state of grace, which means you are, whether you feel it or not, righteous and blessed. Okay? 
And so you can choose to live in that. Now, you can choose not to. Even if you understand it, it can be the kind of deal where, you know, you're contacted one day and uh, some relative you didn't even know you have left you $10 million and it's in this bank and here's the key to the safety deposit box and you can go get it anytime you want. You're now a multimillionaire. But you read the letter and think it's a, um, a scam. And so you throw it away, laugh. Ah, that's a good one. They even sent me a key. Throw it away. Keep living your life. Find out when you're 90, it was absolutely real. And the last 30 years of your life could have been dramatically different. Okay? Well, you can live dependently on God and choose love be and life be, but still not take advantage of those blessings and the righteousness. Okay? Why would that happen? Because you don't believe it. Same reason you wouldn't go use the safety deposit key. It sounds too good to be true. Okay? It's not. It is real and it is available to you anytime including now. All right. So, what are you happy and what kind of happy are you, if you are? Are you this kind of happy? Are you life A happy? Because things are going good for you right now? The pleasure is pretty good, not too much pain, you got enough money, maybe even got a little more uh, time, you're being able to do more and more of what you want, not too bored, life is exciting, you feel like you're in control, all right? Is that you're kind of happy? Well, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if a hand grenade gets thrown into your life tomorrow, and it may not be tomorrow, but it will sooner or later, then you're going to go from happy to on the floor because these things are going to all change dramatically, all right? On the other hand, if your life be happy, you're dependent on God, you've given up the end result, you're, you measure positively your life in the pain that you go through God's way, you give your safety to God, even if that means getting hurt or dying or whatever, because He's going to do it the way that's just right for me, whether I know that or not, and the outcome guarantee. All right? This, if you're living this kind of happy, then you're happy regardless of your circumstances. Now, God's happy, which means pain with joy and peace versus pain with anxiety, anger, irritation, fear. All right? So, if you're living here and bad things happen, you're okay. That's part of it. Even maybe an opportunity to go up higher in my life. So this life is more like this as far as um, extreme negative, as far as the extreme negative goes. But it still has potential for extreme positive. Okay? Why is there no negative outcome guarantee? My safety is perfectly taken care of. It's God jo God's job to empower me to get this stuff done. Not mine and my strength. 
And pain is a friend that helps me grow and learn. I can't say I like it still, but I do like learning and growing and getting to a better place in my life. So which kind of happy are you? Okay. Um, Martha, think about this. We've talked about the story of Martha and, and Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Two times Martha questioned Jesus as far as why did you do what you did? I think you did the wrong thing. Now she didn't say that, but I'm reading between the lines. If you had come, he wouldn't be dead. So we've got this terrible thing and I'm, I'm brokenhearted and maybe things are never going to be the same in our family and all this because you wouldn't do what we wanted you to do. All right? Well, what was the truth? The truth was Martha never needed to be upset. Why? Because she had an intimate, loving relationship with Jesus. She was in a state of grace, I believe. Okay? Now, why in the world would I say that when Jesus hadn't even died yet? Because God said Abraham was. Abraham was justified by what he believed, not because of what he did. All right? Well, I believe that was true of Martha too. But in reality, she never needed to be upset. Now, of course she's going to get upset when Lazarus dies. Okay, I, I don't mean grieving and sad and crying when someone you love dies. I, I'm talking about she never needed to be upset as far as what Jesus would do or not do. Okay? She should have known he would have done what is best. I trust him. I have faith in him. And I believe she did. Okay, but maybe God gave us this for me and for you. Martha never needed to be upset over the end result as long as Jesus was there. Okay, um, it was an issue of faith versus control. Okay, uh, so. Martha never needed to be upset, neither do I, neither do you, if we're in a state of grace, because we have the outcome guarantee, and pain is our friend. Pleasure, yeah, that's great, but, you know, I know it may not be an everyday thing, okay? Um, okay, uh, so if we are in a state of grace, we never need to be upset from a fear-anger place unless life is in danger, all right? Because we're in a state of grace. We're dependent on God, present moment in love. We have the outcome guarantee, all right? Also, the, the story of the prodigal son, God will never give up on me. So I don't have to give up on God or be worried or fretting or whatever as long as I'm right with him and he will never give up on me either, okay? So hopefully that recipe together can keep me on the high road a good bit of the time. This is important. 
There is no outcome guarantee if you demand your own way. Okay? In other words, something you need to do, whether it's take out the garbage or say I'm sorry to somebody or, or, or correct a mistake on some work you're doing or repent from a sin or go make something right with someone, there is no outcome guarantee if you check in, your conscience says do this, your heart says do this, your mind says do this, you feel scripture says do this, it's consistent with love, it's consistent with grace, it's consistent with being dependent on Him, but I don't want to do that. That, that goes against my pain-pleasure thing, and I'm going to choose pain-pleasure right now. Now, I'll repent and confess maybe later and, and, you know, get right again. But right now, I'm going to choose sin. I'm going to choose the pain. Well, you don't have the outcome guarantee if you demand your way. You don't have the outcome guarantee about that thing. You may still have it in your overall life, okay? And that is an intentional sin, and so that does fall under what God will make good. What Satan meant for harm, God will turn to good. But you may miss some of the blessings you would have experienced if you had done it God's way and received His dying grace in order to do it the best way you possibly can. Because if you don't have that dying grace, you're only doing it as well as you can in your fleshly, human brain, nervous system power. Okay? Um, and I'm reminded of uh, a wonderful quote I heard one time that the height of arrogance is to disagree with God. Think about it. So if your conscience tells you one thing, if scripture tells you one thing, if your heart, uh, the, good, the love part of your heart tells you one thing, if you pray and feel uh, the same thing, okay, but then say, but in spite of all of that, I'm going to do this. Man, that is the height of arrogance. That's saying I know, I know better for me than God does. Okay? Now, is that the unforgivable sin? No, it's not. So you can still be in a state of grace and be in arrogance. And he's going to make it good long term, but short term you may have to really pay some pain for going your way instead of his. Okay, So you can still come out the same place, but you're, you missed an opportunity to move up in your life sooner. Okay. Um, let me ask you, let me end with this and ask you a question. Why do you like the things that you like? And I don't know what you like. So I listed some things I like. Uh, Disney. Man, I'll never forget the first time I went to Disney World. Little bitty kid, hadn't been open too long in Florida. Uh, we lived in a little small town, didn't have a lot of money. Man, it was like going to heaven or something uh, in my little you know, 10-year-old mind, okay? But what, what do you like? Here's some of mine. Disney, excitement, surprises, uh, a rush, adventures, okay? 
Do you like those things? Or, or maybe what you like is safety and things being on an even keel. And that's okay. Uh, it, it, it's whatever you like. This is what I like. What do you like? And then my question is, why do you like it? And the answer is because of how it makes you feel. That's it. How it makes you feel. That's why you like what you like. It's why you don't like what you don't like. Because the way that makes you feel. Alright. Well, the things you like, whatever they are, excitement or even kill, you can do that in a righteous way or you can do that in a selfish way. The righteous ways, of course, giving control to God, dependent on Him, present moment, committed to love as best I can, etc. The other way, man, I'm just going to get as much as I can get. I'm going to earn that money and, 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 and pay money in order to buy myself pleasure and time and uh, not be bored, to be independent, do what I want when I want, Man, I'm going to I'm going to do that. Okay? Well, that's choosing the selfish way for the things you like, which probably means you'll get a rush, but as soon as the rush is over, you're right back to feeling the negative stuff you felt before. Or you may have an incredible adventure, but then when you're back from the adventure, you're bored again, and, and all these things, you keep thinking one of them is going to do it for you and give you love, joy, and peace. They won't and they can't, because the only way to get that is righteousness, being right with God. Jesus is your Lord and Savior, love in the present moment, giving control to Him, His dying grace, outcome guarantee, protection, safety, everything working out for good. It's the only way. So, if you live your life with this as your keeping score of how good a person you are, check marks versus X marks, trying to earn your righteousness, or maybe giving up here and saying, ah, I've tried that. I can't do that good enough. So I'm just going to focus on uh, over here on getting as much of this stuff as I can. Okay? If, if, if you're living some form of that and this, these are the main goals in your life, then that is the selfish way and the outcome difference of these two is going to be dramatic. The outcome of doing the things you like from a place of righteousness and dying grace or from a place of selfishness choosing what pain pleasure over what I believe is right and what God would want me to do in this moment and it's like the analogy we talked about a couple of weeks ago of the little boy who had always wanted to see the circus. Circus came to town, little town. He saves up his money for months. Goes in. The circus parade is coming down Main Street, headed to 
the tent where they'll actually hold the surface circus. Little boy comes, watches the uh, circus parade, which lasts about an hour. The last thing is the clowns. He runs out, gives his money for the circus to the clown, and goes home thinking he's seen the circus. If you're, if you're living the things you like and don't like in your life based on selfishness, if you're trying to earn your own righteousness, if your goal, the way you keep score of your life, this is the way you keep score of what kind of person you are, this is the way you keep score of your life, if, if this is your goal and intention and to diminish as much as possible the life B factors. I don't want to be dependent. I don't want pain. Okay? I want to control my safety and know it's going to be there. I want to determine the best outcome. I don't trust anyone else to determine this best outcome. Um, then you're going to get to the end of your life and realize you've given your money to the clown and you never really saw the circus. You never really experienced the life that was possible for you. The life that Jesus died to give you. The life that God, loving you before the foundations of the world, desired for you to have, but could not, can't force that because love requires a choice. So if he forced it or just did it in you automatically, without you going through this, understanding and choosing it, then God would be eliminating love, which is the purpose of all of this. Okay? All right. So, we will uh, end here. Um, how are you trying to get the things you like and don't like done? Are you living love A, love B, life A, life B? Are you living the circus and having the things you like and don't like being defined by righteousness and dying grace, protection, outcome guarantee? Or are you on this low road hacking through the jungle, bloodied, not sure where you are, how you're going to get there, frustrated, sometimes angry, etc. Well, if that's so, you can start today. Start living love B, grace, do good, get good, do bad, get good. Life B, these are symptoms Sometimes they'll be there, sometimes they won't. But these are the goals. These are the priorities. This is the focus and intention. All right. Thank you so very much, and have a wonderful, blessed day.